0: get right to Cheryl Costoni. She has the numbers on the consumer price index now. All right. So we're looking at a month over month gain of 0.4%. The estimate was 0.2%. Month over month coming in at 0.4%. Year over year, 8.2%. That is hotter than expected. Again, Coming in month over month, hotter than expected at 0.4%. And again, 8.2% is the headline CPI number for the month of September. That is hotter than expected. Again, if you strip out food and energy, 6.6%. That is your core number year over year. Hotter than expected, guys. Hotter than expected. There goes your markets down down 241 points uh, right now.
1: I think Trump's unelectability will be palpable by then. We all know that he will lose, or he's, let me put it this way. We all know that he's so much more likely to lose the White House than anybody else running for president on our side of the aisle, so why would we want to go with that? So the only reason he stays where he is is because everybody's afraid of him. They're afraid of him you know, going after them, hurting their own ambition, but as soon as you get sort of the herd mentality going, it's, it's unstoppable. So I think, I think the fact that he polls so much poorer than anybody else running for president as a Republican against a Democrat is, is enough right there. He's gonna know this. And so whether he runs or not, I don't really know if it matters. He's not gonna be the nominee, I don't think. I don't, right. that's, that's my view.
0: I would, just in case Katie's watching right now, we're streaming this live. In case she's watching, Katie, I will debate you on a stage. I will debate you in a parking lot. I will debate you in a library. I will debate you in a bar. I will debate you in a car. I will debate you on CNN. I will debate you on MSNBC. I'll even... I'll even debate you on The View and let Joy Behar and Whoopi ask the questions. My message to the American energy companies is this. You should not be using your profits to buy back stock or for dividends. Not now, not while a war is raging. You should be using these record-breaking profits to increase production and refining. Invest in America. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore no ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period.
2: You you, and Mike Tomlin are two of the few black head coaches in the league. I wonder what your relationship is like with them and your thoughts on Steve Wilkes joining that bowl. I have a very good relationship with Tomlin. Uh, we don't look at what color we are when we coast against each other. We just know each other. I have a lot of... Very good white friends that coach in this league as well. And I don't think it's a big deal as far as us being coaching against each other. I think it's normal. Wilks got an opportunity to do a good job. Hopefully he does it. And we coach ball. We don't look at color.
1: But you also understand that representation matters too, right? And that when young aspiring coaches or even football players, they see you guys, You know, they see someone that
0: looks like them, They grew up like them. That has to mean something. Well, when you say you see
2: you guys and look like them and grow up like them, means that we're eyeballs to begin with. And I think the minute you guys start stop making a big deal about it, everybody else will
0: as well. The right that I pushed hard and it finally got changed, the married couples and the privacy of the bedroom, excuse me, The mar- I'm thinking about the, Dob- the Dobbs decision. Imagine, well, I'll get to that in a second. You met my wife? <laughs> I married up. I was one of those guys I, my whole life. I've been surrounded by women who have taken care of me. Maybe they're smarter than I am. My younger sister used to be three years younger than me. Now she's 23 years younger. There's not a single solitary Biden man that is as o- younger than any Biden woman. And, uh, and, and my wife, by the way, we're at a community college, my wife is teaching today. My wife is a full-time college professor at a community college. Top of the ninth pitch hit on the ground a short go to second force in time ball game over american league division series over yankees win the yankees win
3: welcome back ladies and gentlemen to the unregulated podcast this is episode number 105 here on wednesday afternoon october 19th 2022
2: on a beautiful fall day michael how are you i'm pretty good i'm you know whatever things are good (laughs) (laughs) i'm getting tired of explaining things to people my head's
3: good that we're back together again sir i enjoy these moments with you you're one of the good ones so sad yes it, it well it could be sad of course now in the clips other than president biden chastising the oil companies for their egregious excessive profit taking we had a little wisdom from the former speaker of the house paul ryan anything you'd like to
2: comment on about that sir he's an idiot um wow he, yeah. right out of the box Woo! Well, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> okay so so let's just let's just i mean let's just cut this thing into pieces right <laughs> <laughs> first time i actually heard the whole thing right and you know yeah because like, the, the, the reporters just, said, yeah you know ryan says that trump isn't going to be nominee or whatever something like that but but it, what he said was full of multiple falsehoods right that oh he, let's hear him that he's actually polling worse than anybody else against the democrats that's totally inaccurate yeah. he's, he's actually polling better against anybody else than the democrats i mean don't get me wrong in no way am i saying i want him to be the nominee but Facts is facts. He's polling better than anybody else. The other thing is, including, by the way, he does better in a head-to-head matchup with Vice President Harris than Governor DeSantis. That that's just that that's just it, right? Um, and he said, hey, he's polling less, you know, less well than anybody else in the party. Well, just, let me interrupt just, you right there because m- Megan Kelly
3: had an interesting analysis or or, or her, her thoughts on this were very interesting. Man, yeah, what'd she say? She was talking to someone, and she said. Ron DeSantis will never beat Donald Trump in a primary. There's no way. All right. Because Trump supporters will not flock to him over Donald Trump. Yeah. I, anyway, I, I just thought it was interesting. Well, she also pointed out some of the things we pointed out too, which is he's not really a people person.
2: Well, right? you know, anyway, I, mean, I, I will just say this, right? I don't want to detract you from the Ryan part. Keep going. I, well, I would just say this right away. Well, yeah. So, so, you know, everything he said about polling was wrong and and not like <laughs> and he was the speaker of the house. <laughs> yeah, I you know what? It 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 the more I listen to former, you know, former people in the Republican Party talk, the more I understand why we've been in a ditch for 40 years. These guys are hopeless. And and when I say wrong, I don't mean like wrong on interpretation. I just mean wrong with respect to the reporting of it. He's a dunce. I'm sorry, that's really mean. He's not a dunce. He's just poorly informed on this. And it he has the overlay of a of a of a guy who used to be important and now has been reduced to you know lifting weights and telling everybody how he used to be important. It's kind of sad. All right.
3: So Carrie Lake will debate you in a bar, and she'll debate you in a car.
2: (laughs) I wish he had gone on with that that rhyming (laughs) thing. That would have been funny. And I I will debate you on a star. I will debate. (laughs) But I will not eat green eggs and ham. I will. I will debate you from afar. I mean, <laughs> there's all kinds of things she could have done. On uh, a more
3: serious note, I, I thought those were excellent words of wisdom from a, a head coach of a of a national football team. Well, Todd, Todd Bowles from the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, let me encourage our. I, I had to throw that in there. It just, I was just like, you
2: know what? Thank you, thank you. Well, let me let me encourage our listeners to. Um... Pick that up on YouTube, right? Because his his facial expression during all of that is just priceless. You could just yes. tell he's like, Oh, dude, I'm about to get asked, like, hey, how does it feel to be a black dude yet again by like right. you know, white reporter number 700 in my life? Right. And I was just like, you know, I- I've I I've, you know, I-, I often wonder, and I've asked this, I've asked this to people over the years. I've often wondered what, what must it be like your whole life to go, go through your life as a color? You know, when, when, you know, if you're a black guy, you must realize most white people just see you as a color. And, and that just must be just incredibly burdensome. over well,
3: time. I don't, I wouldn't say most some enough, a bunch, I, I, I guess. I don't know. It's like, it's, it's like, <sighs> I just, I, I feel, I have a little bit of experience with this, even though I'm a white dude. Uh, and, and I, I just, I don't look at it like that like i have been accused of being a racist before sure man because i was hypercritical of 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 a certain president of the united states
0: and that
3: automatically meant that i was a racist because i was a white dude or whatever the the reasoning behind in the head of the the
2: other person who who was who accused me of being sin. well, I mean, you know, I yeah, I I'll, I don't you know, look at it. I don't look at it. I'll accuse you really? of that. I mean, you know, Barry was a <laughs> Barry was a tall, attractive man. I mean, come on. It it so, anyway. it. But but anyway, seriously, go to YouTube because Todd Bowles is just like, oh brother, here it comes again, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I loved
3: his line at the end, which is like, maybe if you you all stop fixating to- on it, then
2: everyone I, else will. I, I, you know. It's, Boom! It, it totally right. Drop, it's, mic drop. drop. It, yeah, it's totally right. I mean, if you, you know, if you, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> like right, I, like now, I said, like I said, I gotta feel. I gotta, I gotta feel that the black dudes over the course of their life are just like, oh, for the love of God, I'm not getting this again, am I? All right. So now, uh, if anyone in our
3: audience can figure out what Biden was saying in either of those two little mini clips, I'm all ears. Let me know. And then, lastly, well, what's going to happen in this five, in this best of seven in the ALCS? The Yankees have moved on to face the Houston Astros, yet again. Yeah, and well. Then secondly, who's going to win the World Series?
2: Yeah, I will point out that I've been wrong about the Yankees so far, um, so I'm 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 hopeful I'm going to be wrong this time. I got to think the Astros are going to take it in six, right? Um, okay astros
3: in six uh regrettably my heart aches about the prospect of those cheating losers winning again but they are a good team like i said to you and and our friend ds why did they even cheat why they were they're arguably already
2: better why did they why almost every other team every other team in the league why did they cheat why did we why did the republicans break into the Watergate? right you know the the, um, why did, uh, why did Dan Rostenkowski scramble around for a couple thousand extra bucks at the, you know, in the stamp racket at the house post office, right? Great point. It, 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 there's just a certain, there's a certain mentality, mostly found, mostly found among males, sometimes among females that, you know, these hyper-competitive guys, they're always looking for advantages. Um, I I would say this, you know, and I, and I didn't think about this till this morning when I was, um riding in and I was listening to ESPN or some MLB Nate radio, whatever it was. And he said, this is a sixth consecutive trip by the Astros to the American league championship series. And I thought, wow, has it really been six? And if you look at it from an Astros point of view, that's gotta be incredibly distressing. Sure. I was just going to, I was going to go there, but if well, you look at it from the Yankees point of view, it's even more distressing. Exactly. Yeah. Cause you have, you won- look at it from a Yankees fan point of view. Yeah, well, they don't care because we keep we keep watching the show, we keep watching the games, and keep keep paying the. Ridiculous my cousin, my person.
3: cousin, uh, my, my cousin is a perfect example. Joe, he said, "Yeah, I'm still going to watch them next year. <laughs> yeah, of <laughs> course, matter what
2: watching. they do, yeah. right? I mean, the- they got us. They got us. It's it's ridiculous. Right. I will say this: it would be fun to beat the Astros or to watch them lose in the World Series to the Phillies, um, if only just to." Just you know, six trips and all you could come away with was one World Series win.
3: That and and, a, and a one with a asterisk next to it. Yeah, I so, was going to say when you
2: cheated on. So
3: as to not bore our listeners, let's get to announcements real quick. I don't have any other than I wish all of our listeners uh, a happy, healthy, and prosperous uh, life. Do you have any?
2: I don't think so. I have this feeling. All right. Like I well. Should. Oh yeah, I do have one. I wanna. I wanna. Um. I'm going to tell Frank K out in Houston that I'm going to give him a call and talk to him here sometime in the next week or so and ask him a bunch of questions. So, all right, get ready. Get yeah, ready, Mr. Mr. B, P Warren, Frank.
3: All right. Well, we're going to go a little bit out of order uh, today because we had a really um, uh, a fun little moment. You, had, I should say, had a fun moment this morning with uh, Kevin Roberts, yeah. the new president of the Heritage Foundation. Yep. Uh, I was unfortunately out of town and not able to join you in the interview, but I did listen. And our audience, I think, will get a kick out of your exchange. But let's set it up a little bit first. You talked a lot about a conference in Miami. Yeah. So uh, so, so give me the one hundred give me the hundred foot level on this conference. Because yeah. you both spent back, a good time jagging on it.
2: Yeah, back in August, uh middle of August, uh, there was the National Conservatism Conference. It was the third annual conference. It was in Miami. Um, Kevin spoke to the big room, right? He was a plenary speaker. I spoke to a panel on the second day. Um but it, you know, he he came in early and stayed a little later than he should have, and I I was there on and off for a couple of days. It was a very interesting conference, and the National Conservatism crew is pretty interesting. The guy we reference um, is again Yoram Hazani. He wrote he wrote the, he wrote a book called Conservatism: A Rediscovery that I wrote a, um, a review for that I encouraged Yoram to write, and then um, I wrote a review of it. I don't think that's a conflict. Anyway, Yoram kind of runs this this this. For lack of a better word, I'm going to call it this little mini movement inside the inside the larger conservative movement. It's pretty exciting, I you know it's 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 um you know Roberts and I talked about it a little off 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 microphone that um you know it's it's a good thing to be at our age, be involved with a bunch of young people because they they ask you some pretty 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 tough questions. Anyway, um conversation with Kevin, I think it's interesting and um and we'll do Let's it.
3: Get- Let's get to it right here. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael McKenna and Kevin Roberts.
2: I'm here with Kevin Roberts, um, the Chieftain of the Heritage Foundation, and we are going to ask him a bunch of questions, but probably nothing that's going to make him cry. So let's start off with a simple one. Um, what's your bio? Keeping in mind that I was in Miami and sitting in the audience. I heard some of it already, but for the for the.
4: The, first of all, thanks for having me, Mike. You bet. You're not going to make me cry. My tear ducts were removed when I was young, <laughs> figuratively. It's incredibly valuable. It is, it's just, It's just wonderful. You can't offend me. The, the, the important things about my bio are, so this will be succinct, I grew up in a working class family in the middle of the oil bust in Louisiana, became the first Republican in my family because I knew that government wasn't the answer. And yet, that doesn't mean I'm anti-government. I'm a conservative, not a libertarian. But it also means that I've spent my career, first as a historian, college president, now public policy leader, building institutions because I think our our relationship as individuals with the government is best when our institutions are healthy. And so, the most important of those institutions is the nuclear family. And I'm very, very proud to have been married to Michelle for 25 years with four kids and three of them still home, one in college. And we spent a lot of time outside of my work life leaning into institutions in our native state, Louisiana, our adopted home state in Texas, and our new state of Virginia.
2: Um, Which parish?
4: St. Raymond in Springfield. St. Raymond, sure. Great, great pastor, Father John Desell. Who uh, takes no prisoners. I don't think I know him.
2: Um and the kids go to school. They go to school with Mrs. Roberts. We've
4: homeschooled for 10 yeah, years.
2: Nice, solid. That's a good idea. She's answer. a great teacher. Yeah. My um Well, I'll tell you the story about my dad later. Um, because that's a that's a, a couple of intersection points. Okay, you've inherited this mess. This large sprawling known as America. I was gonna say the Heritage Foundation. Large sprawling um bureaucracy that is the heritage foundation um, um
4: it, it is challenging uh, and yet it's not a mess it, and 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 i say that not to be defensive because i'm more than happy to fist fight I, but <laughs> i meant that i meant that in a in a sort of
2: fraternity party on a friday night kind of way or is the bourbon yeah we're little, sipping
4: water it's <laughs> a little early it is a little early, even for this boy from the Gulf Coast. Well, look, Her- Heritage has been around half a century, and so it's done a lot of good work. And I think there's also a perception that as the country has changed much more rapidly than any of us who are conservatives would like, Heritage, along with the entire public policy sphere on the right, ha- has been slow. And so I was motivated to take the job because of my love for Heritage, the knowledge that All of my colleagues are ready to fight and are looking to be led, and I can report 10 months in that it's not a mess. And, in fact, we're putting lead on the target, and we're looking to take more prisoners from the radical left.
2: What are your goals for this operation?
4: Number one, that we remain zealously focused on the issues that matter whether they be the public policy issues that the next conservative Congress in a few months will be dealing with, the next conservative presidency in a few years will be dealing with, or as as you know from the conference we both attended in Miami, those issues that are about self-governance, the sort of philosophical issues, which is not to say that we need to spend a lot of time on the abstract, but the beauty of Heritage is that we put all of that together in this cauldron, if you will, and we come up with a governing agenda. And on that point, number two, we want to be sure that when there are Repub- Republican majorities in the House and Senate soon, that they're not just talking about pablum, that they actually have a governing agenda in terms of policy. That means that we at Heritage have to be at the top of our game when it comes not just to research and not just to messaging, but to advocacy for those ideas. And thirdly, to wrap up here I want Heritage, as a result of its good work in those arenas, to give genuine, substantive reason for hopefulness by the American people that we're going to be able to take back this country.
2: Project 2025. I was told I could ask you about that. You so can I'm ask me to, anything. Yeah, tell me, tell, give, us a, give, us a, give us a couple of minutes on Project 2025, because I think it's really interesting.
4: It's crucial. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's the most important thing we're working on. Some of your audience may be aware that Heritage, every four years, dating back to 1980, with President Reagan put together the Mandate for Leadership, which is a gigantic book, very important in terms of policies. S- some of our audience was in the Reagan no,
2: administration. No, so. no, no doubt.
4: So some are very familiar. Well, what we're doing is taking that, and it really does speak to kind of the theme in the earlier question about Heritage being more active. We're building on that by going out and recruiting not a 100 Not a thousand, but at least 10,000 people to go into the next conservative presidential administration, but not just putting them in their names in an Excel file, Mike but actually training them, pre-vetting them to minimize the risk of the FBI making political kill shots. And then also, very importantly, when we get closer to 2024, writing not just the executive orders, but the regulations, the rules that the next presidency, next president needs to be implementing. This is a huge project that extends well beyond Heritage, and it's really important to us at Heritage that this isn't just a Heritage effort but a conservative movement wide effort and so we we tell people let's just check our sort of institutional biases at the door and let's present the next conservative president with an agenda that he or she can really run with from day one
2: yeah it's that last part that's the most impressive right i could i could write the energy section myself and probably the eop section by myself the tricky thing is um, and i want you to talk for a second about about putting everybody under the same roof i know that that had to be the most difficult thing of this part it, of this.
4: It, it it was, and it is. And yet I say that with a smile because I actually think that's what we need to be doing in the conservative movement. So we have upwards of 40 conservative groups. I think every conservative group with a presence in D.C., which also exists to affect policy change, is part of the effort. And and certainly all conservative groups are, at least indirectly, but we meet regularly. And, and this is our objective as a group. Heritage is willing to host these meetings. We're willing to incur almost all of the costs because our donors know this is something that we're supposed to do. And yet, I promised everyone from minute one of these meetings, we're not going to put the Heritage Bell, you know, our our very famous icon on any of this because we want it to be an effort by the movement. And I think that has helped people say, look, Each of us has a little bit different idea about how we might ride on energy or on taxation or on education. But if we can come together as a movement, we've got this historic opportunity in 2025 to reclaim this country. This is what it's going to take. We're going to have to stop being worried about our individual institutional interests and really lean into this this movement-wide effort. And thus far, early on, it's going really well. Everyone deserves credit for that.
2: I can't figure out the Slack, the Microsoft Teams thing.
4: Just, just, Well, you know, I, I just stopped using that.
2: I, you know, it's going well, except for that. I can't figure out how to use it. That's all. Yeah, you know, I, I freely admit that I don't care. Don't judge me, and don't at me. Um, all right, let me ask you a question. You were down in Miami um, at that National Conservatism Conference. First off, um, who was the better speaker, you or me? You were. No, thank you. I appreciate that. Not you're you're, you're the host. I'm so it's actually not true. You were you were much better than me. And I actually wouldn't say that. It it's true. Um I, I they stuck me on a Catholic conference way in the back of it. It's just like, yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. You know, we're in the ghetto. I'm hip. Um you're wrong. you're wrong. I want to just say to you, thank you. I write a very lovely review. You put it at the top of Amazon. And I get stuck at the very last panel in the far corner, hanging out with a bunch of cranks. I appreciate that. Anyway, let's get back to national conservatism for a second. There have been a couple of guys, I'm not gonna name their names, Dave French, who have like made a thing of this. I, I was talking to Rob before you came in about this. Am I missing something? Is there something sinister, terrible, or hidden in National Conservatives? Seems like basically what's come down to is, hey, we should all like say a couple more prayers than we do and think about running the country like normal people. Am it's... I? Is there something else? I mean, am I missing it? Are there meetings I'm not going to?
4: You're not missing anything, man. It's the first of all. Let me say for people who don't know me. I not only am comfortable with criticism, I rather like it. I'm a competitive guy, but I'm also a guy leading the mothership of the conservative movement. And we know that we always have to be better. But so so all that to say, you can criticize me, us, that's fine. If it's warranted, we will adjust. But in this case... The criticism was really bizarre because it implied, and I guess in a couple of cases, I'm told I don't read this stuff. Uh, I don't know who half these people are, although I think I'm supposed to uh, ex- explicitly that you know there's some Christian nationalism initiative there. I don't even know what the hell Christian mean, nationalism is.
2: I would be hugely impressed if there was an initiative anywhere it it seems like a bunch of sophomores in college gone wrong at like some some (laughs) Tuesday night in the dorm. So I mean, I was happy to do it. I like the guys. I think what they're doing is important. But it, you know, these, I mean, these guys, um, I'm not going to say who they are. Um,
4: Well, let me say, I think the national conservatism movement, starting with Yoram, is very promising. And as Yoram knows, and I said in my speech there, I don't agree with everything. Heritage doesn't agree with everything. But that's sort of the point that – the movement, if in fact we have a chance to take back this country, has got to be working together better and we've got to get out of the habit of just taking gratuitous pot shots at, at various it, institutions.
2: Um, a friend of mine who worked with me in the Reagan administration, yes. I go that far back. You don't look that old. Used to say thank you. Used to say, um used to say that it's it, it is the um it's like we're we're we are displaced uh, aristocracy. Right? Yeah, Like our country has been taken over by revolution and we are huddled in Paris having lengthy arguments about what we're going to do if we ever get back. It was just like – half of it is just like fantastical. You're like, dude, let's just think about what we can actually accomplish and move forward.
4: Yeah, and 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 on that point, I know from traveling around the country visiting with supporters not just of Heritage but of the entire conservative movement that they're saying, Kevin, what we need more than anything else is a plan the plan to take back the country and i think that's what we're working on here and obviously you are too mike that you move from the the what's needed in the immediate the very tactical what we've got to do this a in the next few weeks but you've got to move on to the ultimate goal which is restoring self-governance to the individual and we're working backwards from that at heritage building that plan with a lot of friends in the movement
2: yeah um I appreciate that. What, um, before I cycle back on that that question of a plan, I'm going to ask you about Rick Scott, just so you know, just uh, to just warn you, I'm going to ask about Rick. I'm happy to um, talk about Rick Scott. Yeah, Great I, fan. So am I. So am I. Um, challenges do we face as a, I hate to say movement because that, that, you know, that implies there's some kind of organization. What challenges do we face on the right? What do we, what, what kind of things do we need to be thinking about doing better in the next 10 years?
4: Well, the first thing we have to do is is put back into some form of reconciliation to competing goods, but they're, they're always in tension and right now we're letting them sort of tear our, our movement apart. And I do think it's a movement for reasons I'll tell you sometime. But on the one hand, would be the more fiscal conservative libertarian wing that doesn't see really any room for government even when it comes to the excesses of big tech and big government, just to cite one example. And then on the other, conservatives, not necessarily social conservatives exclusively, but conservatives who say the common good is more important and so we've got to reconcile these. You need The point, Mike, is you need both of them. And sure. so I think as a movement, if we can recognize we've got to be working more in concert, that's good. But the second thing is, I think we often ask the wrong questions. In fact, that's – and I often do too, so I'm not casting stones. I'm guilty of this myself. But we ask the wrong questions. And so right now we ask questions and it goes back to some of the gratuitous um, stuff from some formerly conservative outlets with formerly conservative writers that are so obsessed with the former president and what Donald Trump – has meant and means the conservative movement. These are legitimate questions, but and and, and President Trump knows I've mentioned this to him for, for one-on-one. I don't mean any disrespect when I say this. The movement in the country are bigger than any one man sure. or one woman. Sure. The conservative movement has to remind itself of that. Mm-hmm. And it gets us to asking the right questions, such as. Can't we render Washington a hell of a lot less important if we focus on institutions and rebuilding families? And if that's the case, what does policy need to look like at the federal and state level to make that happen? Those are questions at Heritage, among others, we find very interesting. And I'm gratified to sum up here that some of our our younger conservative leaders are forcing those questions to be asked and i may not agree with every one of their answers but i'm extremely grateful that they're forcing the conversation
2: yeah and that was the that was the great thing about miami right it, it was it was the great thing was i looked around i'm like i'm the oldest guy in every single room here right which is good because you know the last thing you want to think of is Hey, you're an aging and dying organization operation, right? You you know, the old guys turn off the lights on the way out. You
4: know, it, it's, it was invigorating. It, it was
2: good. It was very, very good, I thought.
4: It was one of the best conservative conferences. I'll say the best conservative conference I've been to in many, many years.
2: Yeah, and what I liked is I had a bunch of people come up to me afterwards and go, who are you again? I had one guy said, hey, I'm sure I'm supposed to know you, but I
4: don't. No, <laughs> like, don't you love that? When people like, no, tell okay. that to me, I say, I'm going to stop praying the act of humility or the litany of humility every day. I was going to
2: say, I think, I think I'm okay with that humility thing. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but it is good. It, it
2: Well, one guy in my panel, uh, we, got, we got to the questions and answers, and he started off on um, – he actually said, hey, is the Pope a friend or an enemy? And I was just like – "I." The, the, the three kids on the panel with me, kids, Matt Peterson and, and Helen and, um, and Emil right? They're, they're like, ah, ba, 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 ba. I'm just like, I'm going to take this one. <laughs> you, know, you guys are going to get yourself in trouble. It's like, we're not going down that rabbit hole, kid. I told him afterwards, nice kid. He came up to me. We talked for a second or two. I'm like, he's 22 years old. I'm just like, look, evidently your parents never told you this, so I'm going to tell it to you. These are just questions you don't ask in public. You ask him to your friends, you know, maybe your taxi cab driver. Don't ask him in a room full of people, kid. So,
4: did, did he take the advice? He did. he's, yeah, okay, he's like good. he's like, yeah, you're probably right there. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, you deliver advice well. I'm glad it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I'm sure I do. Um, let's do the lightning round. Jason Isaac, Tom Pyle.
4: You know Jason? I know Jason well. You know Tom? uh we're acquaintances american energy Alliance. yeah yeah yeah, i know jason extremely well all right we worked together for years which do you prefer (laughs) it's easy no disrespect to tom but jason and i are good friends jason's
2: a good guy yeah i like him a lot that's why i put it on there Um, i
4: went went straight to the personal forget about the policy really yeah because i know jason really i've knocked on the
2: doors doors for his wife (sighs) you're never going to make it in this town soccer or football (laughs)
4: <laughs> it's not even a question America won the revolution it's called football
2: this is a running this is a running thread in the podcast I I, I I upset everybody by pointing out soccer's not an actual sport it's just jogging it's literally just jogging that's, that's correct um, Sonny or Cher?
4: neither really? George Strait
2: okay I'm going to take that Trump or DeSantis? both all right Derek Morgan yes or no?
4: Oh, 100 yeses. <laughs> you knew I was going to come to that eventually. 100 yeses. God Arguab- bless
2: Arguably the least competent person in the Heritage Foundation, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Arguably. Um I have one thing I want to say before we close up, but I want to give you as much time as you need to um tell me whatever it is I hadn't thought about asking, which I'm sure is just a hell of a lot of stuff, but
4: uh, I don't can't think of anything. I mean, we talked about 2025, which you reminded me of. Um, I wanted to talk about the plan. Um, let's but talk we don't about, have to go into details. But. let's
2: talk about that for ten, just talk <clears> sure. about that for 10 seconds, right? The, the the Republican Party has not had a platform since 2016, um, specifically, um, not because they were lazy or inefficient, but they specifically decided not to, um, and they're obviously not going to re up it in the midterm, um, in the midterm meeting, winter meeting in January, right? Um. Since nobody started it, and I assume I would have heard something about that. Um so you were left with uh we're left with Senator Scott's plan, um Vice President Pence's plan. I was he's coming by here tomorrow to talk about that, advancing American freedom. I think. Is yes, that that's right. Thank you. Yay, first try. The most dense of the stuff is uh Congressman Banks' stuff out of the Republican Study Committee. I don't know if you had a chance to read any of that stuff. I, I
4: have and it's very impressive. It, it's
2: pretty good. Dan Ziegler, um, you know, we call out. We call out appropriate people here. I'm going to call out Dan. Dan Ziegler's done a great job on that, and um, he has. Yeah, and it's 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 um it's a nice piece of work if you could find it. It's kind of kind of hard to find. I probably we, sure. we
4: we tried to elevate that at Heritage as much as we could because as as much as <laughs> we're grateful that there's the commitment to America, then needs more substance. We love Senator Scott's plan. We love Pence's plan. We just think there needs to be a plan. And ultimately, Americans are looking for that, too.
2: And, and that's the question I was going to ask. I, you know, I, I read all three of them in depth, maybe help write one of them. My attitude is that it. You tell me if I'm thinking about this the wrong way, is that I'm happy to let a thousand flowers bloom. I almost don't care, like you say, just as long as we're thinking about stuff. I'm well, happy to completely. be thinking about I'll, stuff. I'll
4: tell you two things. One's a story about Senator Scott. he He called me. I guess, in the spring when he was his plan's uh, release was imminent. And he said, Kevin, I've got this plan. Would Heritage entertain doing an event? Well, yeah. of course we would. Sure. I said, uh, Senator, yes. He said, well, you haven't seen the plan. I said, Senator, I don't need to see the plan, first of all, because we love your, your politics. Yeah. But secondly, even if there are things in that plan we disagree with, this is heritage. We want to elevate the fact that you've got a plan for reclaiming this mm-hmm. country. And the second thing is heritage, of course, has its version of those plans. But the, the plan, all caps underline, Mike, that I'm referring to, is the plan that is achieved 2029, 2039, however long it takes, that rests control from the radical left when it comes to our institutions and to government. it, It is a version for us on the right that the left has been implementing certainly since the New Deal. Accelerated in the 1960s and in the last 15 years, conservatives have to come up with their version of that, which includes not just Washington and state capitals, but colleges and universities and schools, et cetera. If in fact we've got a chance this century to take make back, it the American
2: century, take, take back some of the high ground. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm obviously in favor of the, all of that, right? Having worked on it for some years, um, the thing, the thing about. Banks, that, the thing about Banks' is thing that made, was explicit, was more explicit than it is in the other two. Um, you know, the 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 defect, our problems start at the family level, at the, at the family unit. That's right? what's so beautiful it, about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and that, you know, he, he just said, hey, look, we're going to need to do something about that. We're going to need to, and, and that's where your your thought about the common good in government comes in, right? It, it If anything is a common good, the integrity of the family unit is a common good. That's right. It just and and, you know, to to imagine that government has nothing to do with that. I'm like, dude, government's been attacking it for fifty years. The
4: least it could do is sort of help a little bit. No, that's right. And and it, it it is explicitly attacking it, especially in the last 15 years. So at the very least, conservatives need to end that. But I think as as we at Heritage are being encouraged to do by friends on the right, and a few friends on the left, actually, is let's let's be innovative about all of those policy intersections between Washington and an individual family. And let's let's honor the creation of nuclear families because just demographically, Mike, all of this that we're talking about, yeah. every aspect of domestic policy, every aspect of foreign policy is for naught if we don't have more than a replacement birth rate. Sure.
2: They, you know, they um Hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, and there's just no two ways around that. Um, as a as a friend of mine likes to say, we need to get on the offensive. Um, Someone I know says that. Yeah, I'm getting to, I'm getting to it. Don't worry about it. Um, let me ask you a question. This this I've been asking questions. Let me ask you one last one. Um, so I've written profiles on uh, on Senator Scott, and I've got Senator Rubio's in the can, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pro- I keep trying to do one for Congressman Banks, but. He's elusive. I've done it for Gary Palmer, right? Who's actually a pretty interesting character. All he by is. himself, right? Chip. No I, I want to do one for Chip Roy too, because he's an interesting character yeah. too. He's, a, he's one of my best friends. These these guys are these guys are are not quite right in the head, which makes him perfect for us. Um, but I've noticed a couple of things in the last two months. I've been note last two or three months, really since the um, since the Infrastructure Act, I've been noticing how much I I sort of agree with Bernie Sanders on a couple on more and more things, right? I. I not that I agree with his policy pres- prescriptions, but that I agree with his observations. You know, he he is he is getting to be um, a truth teller. If I did a profile on Bernie Sanders, would you guys do an event with him?
4: Sure. We're the Heritage Foundation. Anyone's welcome in here. As long as Senator Sanders knows. Yeah. An invitation is, is not the heritage imprimatur on your ideas. Although I do agree with you, I think. The, at least the first half of his diagnosis of a couple of things would be things that I would not do and and we would be happy to have him here, not just for the the civil discourse but more importantly for as used to be the case when you know one of of his former colleagues he's old Daniel Patrick Moynihan was in the Senate um You could have conversations as liberals and conservatives that actually could be productive that, and and doesn't mean we're going to be less conservative by doing so but of course that's right see I th- see i think I think the thing about Bernie is he he cares about the same kind of things we. Do,
2: he just comes to the wrong answers on a. Bunch That's of exactly stuff. right. And it's it, like
4: a lot of students I've had over the years. I tell them, man, you diagnosed that historical issue so well, but you got the cause and effect dead wrong. <laughs> it's it's
2: and it, and it's okay, right? You it, the it, it, prodigal sons, right? You know, it's first step is like, hmm, I'm sure I'm going in the right direction. The second step is I'm going to turn around. It, um okay. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna shamelessly plug your, your Kevin Roberts show here in ten seconds, but I did wanna point You don't have to
4: do that. I'm
2: going to. Um You can't stop me. Um I did wanna point out that I actually have a long history with heritage. My father, and I would not um I would not um consider myself any kind of person if I didn't point this out. My father was the first general counsel here.
4: Really? Yeah. James Thomas McKenna. So many people are heritage alums.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, he he is no longer an alum or no longer it's no longer the impo- an important part of his of his thoughts. Um so anyway, when he was here at Heritage, it was way back in the sixty seventy five, right? Seventy four, yeah, seventy six, seventy eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was commonplace to find Heritage Foundation um um propaganda in democratic offices. Yeah. It was, and, I, and I'd like to get, I'd like to get that, get back to that, because I, I think there are Democrats who are, who are, I don't want to say gettable, but in my line of work we call them gettables. I think they're gettable.
4: Yeah, they are, and I, and I think it's going to mean that those people. I would put Tulsi Gabbard in that category, of course, former Democrat. But there's, there's a movement afoot. Those, those, there are Democrats. My friend Henry Cuellar. Um, who understand that the radical left's redefinition of what the human person is yeah. is the cleaving yeah. that prevents that kind of thing from happening. And if we can cleave off radical leftism, hopefully we'll, we'll keep the people and convert them, then I think we can get back to that. But yeah. it's that's what it's going to take. I, I don't mean to be pessimistic, but the radical left is at war with us. And I can tell you, as the President of Heritage, I will not only engage them in that war, I will defeat them, sure, and defeat them because of their one hundred percent error in that thinking and then I think, in the process of that, especially we conduct this figurative warfare well, that we will get more people like former congresswoman Gabbard, who are joining our movement
2: yeah it it's um you know the great thing about the United States great thing about the United States is bad ideas don't really have any. Purchase over time. That's right. You know Americans are relentlessly practical. Any stupid ideas is like it might last a generation, but then eventually people are like, "We're not doing that anymore." Yeah,
4: It's stupid. And one of the metrics of success for us at Heritage is if we take this truism you mentioned about a bad idea living no more than a generation, if we can shorten the lifespan. Yeah, that yeah, bad yeah, idea, yeah, right? yeah. Because they're becoming more and more expensive. <laughs> generation,
2: generation sounds like a long time. All right, I'm sitting here looking at a, at a, at the 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 most. Um, disco in p- postcard I guess for the Kevin Roberts show it's got uh, a young attractive healthy looking uh, mr Roberts on the front with a bonus episode with chip Roy anyway you should you guys if you're not paying attention to this you should um, you should tune into the Kevin Roberts show www.kevinroberts.show, show and subscribe anywhere you get podcasts um, so that's my that's my Pitch and uh, you're
4: very kind. We had a stunt double fill in for the picture.
2: It, it's, I got to be honest with you, gang. Um, at the unregulated podcast, we don't have anything this cool. We just basically, if you find us, you find us. If you don't, the hell with you.
4: Um, all right, last words yours. Thanks for having me. There are a lot of problems in the United States of America. We're sober about them, but because the American people always get it right, and because Heritage, along with a lot of friends on the political right, have determined what time it is in America. We know that it's time to fight. It's time to be on offense. And I will pledge to you that every day this institution is around, we're fighting for the everyday American and it is a great privilege.
2: Thank you so much. And um, from your lips to God's ears.
4: Amen, brother. Thanks.
2: (laughs) Thanks, man.
3: All right. Well, that was Michael McKenna and Kevin Roberts, the now not so new president of the heritage foundation. And I guess my takeaway from, from that is we should probably get a better studio.
2: Yeah. He had a, he had a, he had a disco bigeon studio and he had some, <laughs> you know, he's got, he's got, he's got this thing, this uh, Kevin Roberts background, the Kevin Roberts show background. I was just like, what the hell is that? He seemed, in all fairness to Kevin, he seemed kind of embarrassed about the whole thing. He was, you know, he's like, "Yeah, it's pretty lavish." I'm like, "Yeah, it's ridiculous." Well, you mates. know, what
3: are they run at? A hundred and ten million a year?
2: I, oh. I, 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 it's gauche to ask people those kind right, of questions. Here, here's
3: me. my question for you. Yeah. What did you not ask him that you either wish you had gone back and asked him,
2: or should have asked him? I probably should have pressed a little harder about. Um, about, you know, what's your, what's your, what, what what do you, what are your actual immediate um, plans and activities with respect to, to heritage? But, you know, generally speaking, I know half those guys, so I'm kind of comfortable with that. It's, it's, um, you know, and he was pretty, he, it, there's a lot of candor in there, right? I mean, he, he yeah, oh, yo, absolutely. You know, Listen, I, I'm excited. We, you know, I'm a
3: part of that project as well. Um, working on some of the energy stuff and, um, it's important. And I, and I love, the idea and it's you know it's it's one thing to say it's another thing to do because yeah. i love the idea of not getting into these
1: yeah inter-19 exactly.
3: battles over credit let's just get
2: stuff done right yeah. and, and and that you know strength
3: in like, numbers you know let's be
2: a let's be a front let's be a you know a cavalry yeah and and that's and that's what i liked about kevin right that's what i like about what what he's done so far he seems to get that you know, heritage needs to lead and primarily by example and everybody will follow, right? It's, 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 um it's refreshing, right? I, I'm, yeah. I'm very anxious to make sure that this, this 2025 project works. I, I want to make sure that like, like you say, egos don't get in the way, which is funny because, yeah. you know, I don't know anybody on our side who's accomplished enough that they should have an ego, but people do.
3: <laughs> exactly.
2: Well, Kevin, thank you for taking some time to share your um,
3: background and also your plans for heritage with our listeners. And uh, maybe someday
2: we'll be on the Kevin Roberts show. Who knows? Dude, I, I just, I just want to get on there just to see what the hell it's all about. Right. I mean, it's, uh, it seems terrifying. This day in history.
3: Yo. Eight. Uh, Cause last week we didn't do one and, and people were like,
2: what the hell? What happened Seven, to our day eight? in history? 1781. This super easy history. Super easy. Cornwallis surrendered at Yorktown. Bam! General
3: George Washington, with the help of Marquis de Lafayette. Yeah, he didn't help the all the Rochambeau and the Count de Grasse. Yeah. Trapped British General Lord Cornwallis in Yorktown, Virginia, who ultimately surrendered. Seven thousand officers and men, nine hundred seamen, one hundred and forty-four cannons, fifteen gallots, galleys, a frigate, and thirty transport ships.
2: Yeah, effectively just, bringing an end to the American Revolution—a successful end of the American Revolution, which is why we should have the Washington Monument because he won his war. Um, it 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 also. You know, nobody outside of Virginia knows this, but it was the terminal point of a campaign that was directed at Virginia, especially. Cornwallis had gone through the Commonwealth and yeah. burnt and slashed it all through central Virginia. So it was especially nice to trap him in Yorktown and shell that son of a bitch until he had a quit.
4: <laughs>
2: so Cornwallis uh,
3: himself did not attend the surrender ceremony, but he, claiming
2: he was ill. He's a man without honor
3: but he did uh, uh instruct his general to carry his sword to American and French commanders. And by the way, the peace treaty of the Treaty of Paris was signed uh on September 3rd just 2 years later in 1783. 1783.
2: So, yeah. Happy birthday America and go to hell Lord Cornwallis. Uh Mike
3: 1985 little, little, little uh little uh,
2: October 19th 1985. Yes sir. Yes sir you're not gonna guess it. Uh, nice yeah no I I'm uh <laughs> Lou Holtz. I I'm no, no sports it's uh, not in sports. 1985
3: on this day, the first blockbuster video rental store opened in Dallas, Texas.
2: Yeah, I don't think <laughs> now, I producer.
3: That. I don't think do I you got know got what a that blockbuster that. is? He does, he does, yes. <laughs> yeah, he's
2: he's he he's just learned to say yes to just right. get you out of his its, back now. Uh
3: at its apex. There were some 1,000 stores in the United States and overseas. Yeah,
2: I'm pretty confident. I still have my Blockbuster card somewhere. (laughs) On
3: September 23rd, 2010, the company filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. And by 2014, the last of the company-owned stores had closed. Now... There is one independently-owned blockbuster, and that is in Bend, Oregon. Really? There is one left, and Long, it's in Bend. We should go. So, anyway, uh, one more. One more 1987, just two years later.
2: Dan Marino beats the Chicago Bears on no, Monday Night Football. No, 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 no. The stock market
3: suffered its largest oh, one sure. crash on Black Monday.
2: Yeah. I, I
3: i remember this well now drop five okay a whopping 508 points 22.6 percent
2: now 508 points today is what four percent three four percent yeah less than that right yeah. a, a, a percent and a half two percent something like that so anyway point being one yes they happen uh, there are bulls and uh, bears. I I remember that day well. I was working. I was working in the in the Reagan crew, and um, wow, there was a generalized sense of of doom. I remember. I remember the next day, or like, how oh, this is gonna go? Yeah, do you know when the market made a full recovery? Like almost right away. Was it like it was like nineteen eighty nine? Yeah, like it took took them, took them like a year. It was like yeah yeah no problem at all. It it this it, day in history, ladies and gentlemen, Black Monday. If you bet against America, you're always going to lose. That's the bottom line.
3: All right, my friend. I've got a few things. Not too many since we had a nice interview. So we'll keep the topic short and sweet this week. Yep. Uh, I've got one from CNBC.com. Nicola founder Trevor Milton found guilty of fraud over statements he made while CEO of the EV company. Milton was charged with two counts of securities fraud and two counts of wires fraud, all related to statements he made about Nikola's business while he was chairman. Milton will be sentenced on January 27th. He faced up to 25 years prison if convicted on all four counts. Trevor Milton lied to Nikola's investors over and over and over again. That's fraud, plain and simple, said Damien Williams, the U.S. attorney. For the Southern District of New York.
2: And yet politicians walk around free.
3: Well, not only that, but like the politicians are propping up said EV industry, right? I mean, how many times have we heard about rin fraud in the ethanol arena? Right? What do you say? I mean, what I'm what I'm saying is, is that these are all a result of these. The, the government like trying to force this into the economy and into markets and all these really smart people trying to take advantage of it by, you know, basically lying to their investors. I,
2: again, it, 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 um, I can't remember who said it. I've been Will Rogers, but when the government lies to you, that's just business as usual. When you lie to the government, they throw you in jail. Yeah. Does that make, uh, does that make me a bad person? I got another one for The New
3: York Times poll, the York October seventeenth, Republicans gain edge as voters worry about economy. With elections next month, next month, independents, especially women, are swinging to the GOP, despite Democrats' focus on abortion rights. Disapproval of President Biden seems to be hurting his party, so the. Uh, you t- know t- top lines 49 percent. Uh, here we go congress 49 percent of likely voters said they plan to vote for a republican to represent them in congress compared to 45 who plan to vote for a democrat
2: what are the other what are the other um six percent gonna do <laughs> just ask libertarians asking for a friend uh, the biggest shift came from
3: women who identified as independent voters September, they favored Democrats by 14 points. Yeah. Now, independent women backed Republicans yeah. by 18
2: points. A striking swing. Yeah, let me just stop you right there. That, that, that. <sighs> go ahead, finish the thought. I got, I got, I got, go I got, I got, I got three sentences on this. Go, go, go. It, <sighs> this is the problem when you let journalists write about surveys, right? That, that, that sample that crosstab, women independent voters, there were like 16 people in it. Nobody swings 32 <laughs> points in a month, guys. Nobody. I mean, it's just...
3: You mean, you mean the New York Times and Paul Ryan and reporters don't know what they're talking about? Oh, my
2: like, God. It's just so ridiculously embarrassing. How it got past an editor, I have no idea. I read this thing two days ago. I remember thinking, are you guys for real? How did this get past like an editor? Because it, it's just... Yeah, sure. Women swung thirty-two points in in a matter of twenty-eight days. That happens all the time, dumb dumbs. Um, I, I don't know how to say. Well, this. anyway,
3: I want to. I want. I think you might agree with Nancy then, because here was her response. You ready? Yeah. So let's talk about rising inflation
1: concerns, along with crime, giving momentum, new momentum to Republicans after the Democrats were closing the gap, the historic gap. Yes. So after the Supreme Court ruling there was huge outrage that has seemed to subside at least among overriding concerns, despite all the legislative accomplishments. And I, I want to cite them. I want to you know, cheerlead for you. Because <laughs> so I'm, so I'm
3: supposedly a journalist,
1: domestic concerns, the economy. So, why is this message, why do you think the president has gotten this message through the voters? Well, first of all, uh, let me say uh, that I think that much of what you've said I don't agree with. That okay. is to say the New York Times poll, I think, is an outlier poll. You cite one poll, but all the other—it's also the real clear politics average. No. is showing similar issues. No, but they—but that was one that brought down the average, and it was an outlier. It wasn't okay. even that big a sample, so I, I dismiss that. Uh, I've been uh, since Congress adjourned. I've been in an average of five states a week, and I can tell you uh, that women's concerns about their freedom are very, very much still very significant
2: in terms of how they will vote all right so who's right well I'm just you very see? I'm very glad that the speaker is an expert on polling as well it, it, it's, a, it's a she's she's polymath I'm impressed um, who's right guys I don't know how much clearer we could have made it did we get on this podcast like three weeks ago and tell you who's going to win I'm like we did why do you keep reading surveys I don't get it I'm, we're done this election's over move along man um, all right,
4: this election is it, over. It, Who,
2: all right, it is has anything changed from? Is anything changed between now and two weeks ago? Yeah, two, two episodes ago. Are we going? Are we gaining even more seats? Yeah, voters have voters have caught up with our awesomeness, and they now they're now making all our predictions come true. That's what's so. Changed. Is this
3: now going to be a red wave after all?
2: No, I think I don't. I don't even know what a red wave means. It's going to be two hundred thirty in the House and probably fifty two in the Senate. That's going to be a very healthy night for the Republicans. We might pick up four legislative, state legislative bodies. We might only lose like one or two governors. It's a good, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's going to be a good night. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, it. I'm assuming that what's going on with the New York Times is they are trying to cushion the blow.
3: Yeah, um, I was just going to go, I was just going to go there.
2: Yeah, because so. I mean, the, the, the idea that they must know that, that, you know, they didn't experience a thirty-two point swing in independent female voters in in a month, right? Nobody, yeah. nobody at the times must believe that. Uh, you know, and I'm glad they tormented um, that poor old lady, Speaker Pelosi. No, well, right? that was
3: uh, that was actually Andrea Mitchell on,
2: on MSNBC. <laughs> well, I'm glad Andrea. You know, Andrea, University. I mean, of- and, and here
3: and let me let me let me also point to another thing. This is this is the, mm. the classic, classic. Every single time that the Democrats struggle with the electorate is because they didn't get their message out, Mike.
2: Yeah, you guys didn't. I mean, they're doing all
3: this amazing stuff on behalf of the American people, but they're just not getting their
2: message out. It wasn't, there wasn't there what there hasn't been it's enough. Amazing. There hasn't it's been, been enough talk of legislative achievements. <laughs> Look, midterms are always referendums on the party in power. And they just are. And the Dobbs thing might have might have slowed that, but we are now where we were always going so to be. I've pay. got a,
3: I've got a gentleman I spoke to today who says I'm wrong, and that Dobbs will have a a a, a pretty significant impact on 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 the election. Really? Yeah. Surveys so tell you that. I'm not going to say who said. it. No, 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 know, no. I get it. Know. I mean, is,
2: is, is that based on surveys or is it based on sentiment? Sentiment. Okay. I've said this about surveys of registered voters. I'll say it about sentiment if if you are um if you are paying attention to anything other than surveys of likely voters at this point, early voting numbers, cash, or who has momentum um you're not paying attention to a campaign. you're rooting for something you know your sentiment your sentimental attachments to things are just that they're just sentimental attachments. Um, move along, right? I mean, we have a lot of data that tells you that the question on abortion has been stuck more or less in the same place for about a month now. Right? About about fifteen percent of voters identified as an important issue they're going to vote on. Everybody else is going to vote on the economy. Okay. I mean, I, I I can finesse that for you. I can put no like, no. Like, there's I, no
3: need. There's absolutely no put need. put lots I'm of happy gonna... words
2: on it. But that's just that. I mean, one hundred percent. Your you guy is right in one respect. It has probably Dobbs has probably knocked. As I, I think we said at the time when Dobbs first came out, it has probably knocked five or maybe six seats off the Republican, um, the majority that's coming, right? It might be 235 and said it's going to be 230. You know, you and I both know that's that's not important at all. And with respect to the Senate races, I can't think of a single Senate race that it's going to swing. Not a one. Not a one. All right. um, should we move on from election stuff?
3: Uh, or do you have any more in this department? Yeah,
2: I no. I mean, I think I'm where I, I'm where I, I'm where I've always <laughs> yeah. been, right? I'm, I mean, you, you, the the thing that yeah, the two things two things that have that have become apparent that have manifested themselves is, um, Brian Kemp is just wiping out Stacey Abrams, right? I mean, that thing that thing is now gonna gonna you know be a double digits thing, and I think that's going to carry Walker over. And Walker did really well in the debate. That's thing one. Thing two is. Um, Oz is clearly coming on in Pennsylvania. I think I, that was the call I was least comfortable about. Now I'm starting to get comfortable with it. It looks like he's going to win in Pennsylvania. It's remarkable, right? America's first Muslim senator is going to be a Republican from New Jersey. No, but I
3: mean, we've had a lot of American first
2: Republicans, but they don't get a lot of credit yeah well i don't so. think i don't think i don't think the Republicans are going to throw a great big oh. giant party but having the first muslim senator uh, yeah 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 but they Thank should you. but but
3: but the but the other point is is that going back to the bucks coach right like that's not like our thing yeah right that's not, not our, our primary thing
2: yeah we know we so, don't but yeah. it
3: happens it seems to happen a lot uh we seem to have a lot of the first but whatever
2: i mean the, um, the, inter- the interesting thing is <laughs> The guy's from New Jersey. He's still going to win the damn race. <laughs> <laughs> Easy there, you're you're like shilling for the Fetterman campaign. <laughs> I mean, it's it's true. I mean, it's true. You got to you know just tell. Them. Look, it's like Paul Ryan, dude. There's truths in this world, and there's falsehoods. That thing is a truth. The guys from the guys from New Jersey.
3: All right, I want to switch gears a little bit. Yo. I want to dissect this. I don't want to necessarily dissect the SPR release, which was egregiously political and stupid. But uh, I want to backtrack a little on the Saudi deal, and I want to bring up and and spotlight our our my my best friend in the administration. Can you guess who he is? Brian Dees. Oh, you
1: guessed it! Ding, <laughs> ding, ding!
3: And here we go, sir. This is a little bit. Uh, I think this is a little old now. Thirteen.
1: You've drained the SPR to its lowest level in four decades. There's some accusation that you're using. You're putting the polls before America's energy security. Brian, the Saudis themselves said this morning that the U.S. requested a one-month delay to the OPEC plus output. I wonder why that would be. Brian, can you tell me whether you did ask the Saudis for a one-month delay to that decision? Are they telling the truth? Look, we clearly, we clearly communicated our views to OPEC members that we thought it was short-sighted to, for them to take uh, the action that they were contemplating and they announced. Ryan, you didn't ask the question, so I'm going to ask it again. I'm going to share with you and share with our audience the quote from the Saudis this morning. The government of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia would like to clarify that based on its belief in the importance of dialogue and exchange of views with its allies and partners outside of OPEC+, Plus. Regarding the situation in the oil markets, the government of the kingdom clarified through its continuous consultation with the U.S. administration that all economic analyses indicate that postponing the OPEC plus decision for a month, according to what has been suggested, would have had negative economic consequences. Brian, again, it's a really straight question. Did you ask the Saudis to delay that decision for a month? Are they telling the truth or not? Look, I'm not going to. I'm not going to to, to uh, get on, on, on air and disclose private conversations that well, members of our. It's not shared with us. you have got the opportunity to say it's true or not. <laughs> is it true or not? What I will say, what I will say, what I will say clearly, is that the communications that we've had with OPEC members and continuing have been based on our assessment of the economic circumstances of supply and demand in global oil markets. Again, they're suggesting it's a political one, that your strategy is political. That I to understand the what they're suggesting, and what I'm saying to story. you is that our strategy. I, I understand what they are suggesting, and what I'm saying to you is that our strategy has always been grounded in an assessment of the economics of the situation. Do you
3: remember that the last president of the United States was accused of 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 as, leveraging a relationship with a foreign government to influence an election, and he got impeached for it? Yeah, I was vaguely aware of that. Do you do you remember that? I may have, you, I may you call that it, was,
2: it, was it was it was it Donald Trump? I may have been around for some of that.
3: Yeah. Do Do you think that these circumstances are no different when you have the 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 Saudi Arabian government coming out flat out saying they were lobbied by the president of the United States and his team to delay the production cuts for a month? Says, and you believe Brian Deese that it is because of
2: economic reasons? You know the terrible thing is is that. I, these couldn't just say no, but the, I mean, I, I, you know, I agree with you. These guys are hopeless. But I'm starting to worry now that we're we're getting into territory that's really bad. Like we're starting to, and you know, the Democrats when they come back in a, in a, in the a session in November, or December, they're going to start talking about this stuff like NOPEC and and um, sales embargoes to the to the House of Saud. We're starting to disrupt probably one of our three or four most important relationships on the planet. That's just because these guys won't drill on our own our own land, I mean it, it. We're we're in some dangerous territory here. I don't think they understand that.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the, the
2: the Saudis have choices. You know, they, they 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 prefer us, but they have choices.
3: All right. Well, he, here is a um a short little clip from the interview. A few weeks back, that Jack Tapper had with Joe Biden, President Biden.
0: Well, we should, we should, and I am uh, in the process. When when the uh, uh, this House and Senate gets back, they're going to have to. Uh, there's going to be some consequences for what they've done with Russia.
1: What kind of consequences? Menendez says suspend all arms sales. Is that something you'd consider?
0: I'm not going to get into what I'd consider and what I have in mind, but there will be there will be consequences.
3: There will be consequences, Mike. Yeah, he's not yeah. going to say what they are, but there
2: will be consequences for what uh, you know. And that's okay. So, <laughs> so let me just I, I, let me go back through this one more time because again, facts are important here. the The OPEC Plus crew was already producing at three and a half million barrels a day, lower than their quota in August and September. So the cut, the cut, put that in quotes, of two million barrels a day. All that did was like realign reality with you know the reality on the ground with with their target there was no actual cut in oil it's right it it, it's i i don't want to be a defender of of a of a cartel
3: i'm not trying to defend opec this is this is date this is dangerous stuff The, the 14 million or 15 million barrel release they're draining it down to what, like the the gutter, like the, the, the tank's going to be empty here shortly before, you know, the end of the year. Yeah, it's these guys it's, are nuts. They're nuts. They're, they're beyond like bad economic planners. They're just nuts. Like, I, I think
2: how are they? How do they calculate that this is going to help them in 20 days? I have no idea. I really don't, because, you know, the funny thing is it's not. If gas prices went to zero tomorrow morning, it wouldn't change anybody's mind, I don't think. Um it it's it's you want to talk about transitory. This is the ultimate in transitory. I'm really I really kind of worry about this. And you know, I, I know that sound makes me sound like an old lady, but long story short is um if you notice who you haven't heard from on any of this, you haven't heard from um the Secretary of State and you haven't heard from his uh his henchperson over at the National Security Council, right, Jake Sullivan. I'd like to get those guys in the dock and say, are you guys sure you really feel like damaging your relationship with the Saudi Arabians for this? Because that's what we're doing here. And I'm sure the Israelis are looking at this like, why are you doing this? Why are you making a thing of this? You know, it's – it's I the production cut among OPEC plus, you know, there, we're opposed to that a production cut among domestic producers we're in favor of that i don't understand the math here somebody's got yeah. to explain this to me uh speaking of empty
3: tanks uh, that's all i got i know we had a great interview with kevin so um i'm not gonna i'm not gonna stretch this bad boy out past our normal hour ish
2: anything on your mind there best and finals mr mckenna yeah i got one other thing that's um one other thing that's worth noting um UBS downgraded BlackRock. Boom! Spe- I did not hear that. Yeah. Thank you for the information. Yeah, yesterday. Yes! U- UBS <laughs> downgraded BlackRock, specifically mentioning ESG exposure.
3: Awesome. Um, and Great. I, Good
2: job, UBS. Well, you know, I have a theory. You want it? I want it. Jamie Dimon got up and said what he said, and then he repeated it, and, and then it, what it's bled out in intervening days is he said, even more aggressive things privately.
3: Uh, which okay. So, so producer, see if you get uh, Jamie lined up for an interview.
2: next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's got some spare time. So he says that thing. And then Mike worth over, over at Chevron says, you know, Hey, we're going to rely on oil and gas for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Right. Throwing more or more. He's, or he's more. being a little low estimate. Sure. Well, he's throwing dirt on the grave of, of um, the net zero stuff. Yeah, yeah. and and then this, right? I get the feeling like what Diamond may have done is give everybody permission to be skeptical. Um, Well, permission to act too, right? You know,
3: it's funny you bring that up because you know, for years, for several years, we we tried to IR as a, a AEA as an organization tried to break into a market, quote unquote, for lack of a better term. And you know, the thing we got most when we were meeting with folks for the first time was, was anyone else in our group, in our world, like supporting you? <laughs> like no one wanted to be the first. Yeah. But once we got one and then two and then three, then the, the, the floodgates open and we got support, right?
2: Like, so it's it's kind of like that, right? Well, you know, there's no more, there is no more conformist bureaucracy than American capitalism, right? I mean, it, it Yeah. you, you. You grow up, you go to the same schools, you get your MBA or you get your engine, you know, petroleum engineering or whatever, and you join these companies and you keep your head down and you shut up and you hope you like, you know, you make senior vice president one day. You you put an offer on a house, you, you know, probably should have (laughs)
0: extended a little bit.
2: (laughs) Right. Exactly. You see no personal experience there. You see where I'm going. So (laughs) it, it, and that's why when, that's what Mr. Diamond said. What he said, if you remember, I thought that that's a that's important, right? Because he's a he's a respected person, and he's going to give everybody else cover. This UBS downgrade probably the first of first of what's going to wind up being many, right? You talk about um, you talk about lemmings. The rating communities are lemmings. So, anyway. well, thank you, thank you for that information.
3: That's good new news for me, and uh, um, hopefully, it's a sign of. of, of- greatness to come any more to greatness to come yeah man so anyway very good right. uh, once again like to thank kevin roberts thank you for joining us kevin i uh, also like to thank of course the washington times for co-sponsoring this uh podcast and producer thank you american energy alliance uh i'm i got a walking out deal uh you ready for it let's have it let's do it
0: god bless you all and may god protect our troops thank you i'm sorry that's it god bless our god protect our troops thank you i'm
3: sorry and sometimes i'm sorry that we go as long as we do but anyway i hope your listeners enjoy peace out we're done namaste <laughs>